Welcome to the Made for People podcast series brought to you by Driven by Design Award Programs. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and joining me as my co-host on this series is Kirsten Mann. Kirsten spends a lot of her time with other product management executives, and she's taken the opportunity to interview them and bring to you the stories about how they're made for people, how the projects that they're working on are made for people, and how also the outcomes that they're creating are made for people. But enough of me, over to Kirsten. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting to Ken Chin, now former CPO for Seek Asia, or should we say recovering CPO, Ken? Yeah, I'd say recovering CPO is definitely the the right terminology here. So, how long were you at Seek for? Uh, Yeah, so um, I was roughly there for about two and a half years. I had previously lived in London and actually moved over to Kuala Lumpur to take on that role. Right, and before that, you were with eBay, weren't you? Uh, No, actually... um, before that, I was with uh, BCG Digital Ventures, and I was there for roughly two years. And then before that, I was with eBay for nine years. Wow. So, that's been a pretty exciting career journey from Australia. Did, where were you based for eBay? Uh, for eBay, I actually started my eBay role in Sydney, uh, in the business management side of the, of the business. Uh, and, then, um, and then I actually got transferred to the London office. Right. Okay. So, it's been basically around the world everywhere. Yeah. Now, and I think people see many different roles, into many different roads into product leadership, and they're always interested in the transitions and how you went from, you know, being like essentially a product manager or a business person into this product leadership role. What do you think were the things that helped you make that transition? So, a product for me was just a very natural transition. Um, so, I, I had done computer science at university, I'd done a sort of an MBA in management, uh, marketing, uh, and then a, a business uh, roles. Uh, so, bringing all of that together was a very natural transition into product management. And then the transition from product management into a more of a leadership role was more around, you know, just growing as uh, in the craft, uh, taking on more accountability, more responsibility. And to some degree, it was you know, uh, a, a, lot of, um, a lot of the management theory out there is a little bit outdated. So, could I do a better job um, by bringing in some new thinking around products uh, and the way that you manage teams and the way that you manage products as well? I love that. And did you think you managed to bring in that new thinking? Well, yeah, you know, there's some, uh, there's some success and there's also some failures as well. So, what were the things that you think you did manage to bring in and change? Um, I, I think um, one of my key areas of focus whenever I'm working with a team is uh, is bringing on that strong customer obsession and that customer focus. Um, so starting with what is the uh, who, well, starting with who is the customer, and then what is the 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 job to be done or the problem that you're trying to solve. That's not always something that comes naturally to teams and to management teams in particular. Okay, and in terms of the things that you didn't think that you were as successful in. Yeah, so there's, there's things that I've struggled with all my life, in, well, in, in terms of my career anyway. Um, so, I'm, I'm still grappling with product strategy, right? It, it's, it's a very complex area. There's many ways of approaching product strategy. There is not one product strategy yeah, approach, is there? and it's different for every company because of the situation that you're in, right? So, I, I, I spent some time in a, in a consulting company, which, you know, which does strategy really well. Yeah, BCG and McKinsey and all of those are pretty known yeah, for doing strategy well. They are strategy yeah. consulting firms, right? But I also find that um, the way that we approach product strategy and how that layers into the corporate strategy is something that's still evolving, right? There's no really good ways of figuring out how do you cascade 
um, and blend and, and balance um, those sort of customer strategies versus the corporate strategy. I still find um, that I struggle with, you know, what is a great framework for developing product strategy? How, how do you balance the needs of the customer versus the business? Uh, those kinds of trade-offs are always quite difficult. Yeah, and I think especially in larger companies as well, where you've got so many competing demands, you were dealing in a highly complex global product company. And I suppose, what did you, what kind of surprised you about the role in the sense of, because you went into this CPO role, mm-hmm. what did you think you would be doing versus what you actually ended up doing? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing. I, I, I took on the role because I wanted to be at that level, at that, that C, the C-level, uh, and have the accountability and the ownership of the product. Um, but I wanted to achieve a few different things as well. Uh, I wanted to work in Asia, which is why I took on that role. I also wanted to lead an organizational transformation. I'd been part of many transformations in the past, uh, but I actually wanted to lead one. Um, and and I achieved a lot of those things. Um but there are also elements of the role that you know were just not so enjoyable. Um, some of the more mundane things like budgeting, admin, right? <laughs> HR. Yeah, I mean, who, who, well, actually, hate. There are elements of HR which I really love. Like so, recruiting, hiring. It's really tough, um, but I actually do enjoy the transformation that you can make to a team by bringing in the right kind of talent and to be coaching the talent in your team as well. So I actually really enjoyed that aspect of HR. Um, Yeah, but then there's other parts of HR like uh, performance management and bonus systems and all of that kind of stuff, which can sometimes also uh, create an environment where you're incentivizing bad behavior. And what about at the conference here, we've seen Gib do his presentation and, and people would have probably seen that um, across industry before in terms of how he thinks what the product strategy model is glee and, um, you know, delight in margin-enhancing ways, right? Um, so, do you think that is like a, a just a different form of product strategy or...? No, I, so I, I totally agree with the way that he frames um, uh, uh, the product leadership, right, which is, you know... Um, uh, delighting customers in margin enhancing but hard to copy ways, right? What I do find is that sometimes um, the corporate strategy starts from how do we do things in margin enhancing, hard to copy ways and forgets about the customer. Then the delight. And the delighting the customer. It, it, it's sort of like saying we start from a different starting point Uh, which tends to limit uh, what the solutions might be and therefore you might end up with a suboptimal customer experience um, because you don't start from the point of, hey, let's let's delight customers first and then figure out how can that be margin enhancing and how that can that be hard to copy? I think it's a fantastic point and it's it's something that we're all grappling with in, as product leaders. So, Ken, if a company has embraced mature human-centered product creation processes, does this make it easier for you as a product leader as you're not having to educate your whole exec and, and the board on the value of product and what it brings to the business? Most management teams sit on a spectrum of how much they understand uh, product thinking and design thinking. Uh, so you're always educating, no matter what 
part of that uh, spectrum they're on, you're always trying to push to a, a deeper level of understanding of how can you really solve customer problems and then how do you balance that with uh, with the business objectives and the strategy. So it never really ends. Never really ends. Now, Mark Burke and I have been interviewing design and product leaders from around the world as part of the Design in the Boardroom series and discussing how organisations are creating better futures, right? And part of this is sharing how these product and design leaders are helping their organisations become truly product-centric, customer-centric, user-centric. So, in your role, what mechanisms did you actually use to bring that to the organisation? You mentioned that you kind of focused on jobs to be done and things like that. Is, was that enough? Like, that, did that really bring it to the heart of the organisation? Um, yeah, so the, there's a few things. So you actually need to prove that it brings value to the organisation. So um, in Seek Asia, for example, we didn't actually have a user research team uh, that could do that kind of research and that really deep customer understanding and, and, and develop those insights. So bringing that on was super important and then proving that it added value at a strategic level was also very important. Um, and then from there, then you can start to have a little bit more influence about, you know, is this the right way of going? Should we be doing more? Um, and how did you kind of show that to your exec and, and board and things? Like, was it through stories or was it through... Yeah, predominantly through stories and, and user research insights um, to, to inform our strategy of, you know, where should we be focusing? What are the problems that customers really find important? Um, and then how does that fit into our overall strategy? I think jobs to be done um, is super useful. I, I, I've used it um, in, in many companies now. Um, and um, in particular, the book uh, Competing Against Luck by Clay Christensen um, is, 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 is actually, it lays out a very good narrative of where management teams can go wrong and why they do need to think about the jobs to be done uh, for customers as the starting point of strategy, right? So not all strategy is bad. Strategy is super important. But starting from the point of, I just need to grow revenue or increase profitability um, doesn't always get you the right results. Um, at, in first principles, what drives that increase in revenue and profitability is changes in customer behavior. What systems or dashboards have you implemented um, with your exec and the board to get like a line shared understanding of product your product strategy? Yeah, so, um, so we have dashboards at many levels, right? So we have dashboards obviously at the team level for understanding the, the metrics of their particular products and what they're trying to achieve. Um, but then we also have some high-level metrics um, that covers all of the all of the funnel metrics. You know, uh, just understanding how things are performing uh, from a country perspective as well as from a product perspective. So we were just talking earlier, and one of the things we touched on was. The system's kind of flawed, isn't it? When you think of organisations and how CEOs are incentivized and everything, I mean, what's your view on this? Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, especially in a publicly listed company, um, CEOs are highly motivated by revenue and profit, right? Because they're the, the financial metrics uh, that you need to report to the market. Um, and, and there is that conflict uh, between, you know, what is the right thing to do for the company versus how, how do you... How do you deliver value to the company longer term by solving customer problems 
And then from that, how do you monetize it so that you can drive revenue and profit? And it's horizon thinking, isn't it? Like one is a longer term horizon. Yes, exactly. That's way less, that's a lot harder to sell to shareholders and to boards, isn't it? Exactly. Because sometimes you need to make that longer term investment for the health of the business. So what do you think we do to get boards thinking about that long term versus those short term gains? Yeah, well, uh, I think horizon planning is absolutely key, um, but also making... Um, it, making investment choices which really clarify the trade-offs about what are you doing short-term in order to resolve you know, any short-term competitive or market pressures that you might have versus how do you invest in the longer term for the success of the business and the long-term value of the business. I think it's, a, it's something that, again, as product and design leaders, we're constantly needing to educate our exec and our boards about because it, we're constantly driven by these short-term incentives and and also in our packages of things, often short-term Absolutely. incentives, right? Everybody so, wants to get their, paid their bonus, yeah, right? Yeah, so, so it's really changing the system and how that is, I think, is key if we're really going to be creating a better future. Yeah, absolutely. So, were your board looking for particular things from you in terms of um, the way that you were driving the business from a product perspective? Yes. So, so the the board and the uh, executive leadership of, of Seek Asia um, were looking at solving some critical business problems, right? So, um, in, in any bit complex business, um, you've got some markets that are performing better than others, uh, and some markets are more important than others as well. So... You know, where, where are the, sort of the critical problems that you need to solve? Um, you have to also remember that um, Seek Asia was formed from the combination of two existing businesses in Asia, uh, from Job Street and Jobs DB. And they were com- competitors, weren't they? They were fierce competitors. So how did that go with merging the cultures? Yeah, I, so I had joined a, a couple of years after that those companies had come together. Um, but it was it was still essentially sort of two different teams working on two different platforms when I joined. Together with the, the, the CTO, um, uh, we sort of started to look at how do we want to restructure the, the teams to become a single team for the entire uh, for the entire Seek Asia business. And then you've also got to think about Conway's law, right? So whatever organizational structure is going to get reflected into the architecture of the product as well. So we were very conscious of that. We brought in the architects quite early into that conversation uh, so that as we designed the organization, we were also starting to think about how do we want the architecture to, to go as well. Right, so it went hand in hand. And I think that's really important, isn't it? Because sometimes if leaders aren't aligned from the tech and the product side, it can just be chaos. And and basically you get these kingdoms being built and they're not really achieving anything. Well, one thing that I really enjoyed about working uh, at Seek Asia um, was that my, my CTO, a guy called Dan Walters, um, when I first interviewed for the job, like we were very aligned in terms of how we wanted to run the organization. Uh, and effectively, we co-led the product delivery organization rather than having two separate organizations, like an, an engineering and technology function and then a separate product and design function. I, I talk about this be- needing to be a partnership. 
And it sounds like that is very much of that. It was a very close passion. And I think that's one of the things that I enjoyed most about the role. Yeah, it sounds that's the key, I think. And and it's also as product leaders, I think it's something we need to look for. Like, it, what is your engineering partner going to be like? And are they seeing you as that partner or are they seeing you as, you know, um, competition yes, in terms exactly. of running yes, that? Yes, exactly. And, and look, I love the movement that we're currently seeing in industry to value outcomes over purely outputs. Now... Has this affected the way that you were running product at Seek? Like, had you pivoted more to outcomes? Absolutely. So, um, so Dan and I uh, were both keen on introducing uh, OKRs uh, and really focusing more of the teams towards outcomes rather than just activities. Uh, if you look at the uh, the roadmaps and the early plans uh, when we when well when I first joined the company, it was very activity driven. Yes, exactly. You know, when are we going to deliver this feature and by when and that kind of thing. And then we we also wanted to change the culture of the team so that they were all, all, also more autonomous. Um, and we also found that OKRs were a great way of setting the objectives of that team. And then you could say, okay, within that space, like do what you think is the right thing um, and give them that autonomy. So the control point for management became the OKR and then below the OKR in terms of activities, um, then you know, it was up to the team to decide what to do. And so really empowering the teams to be able to run just with knowing the goals that they were trying to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And I think product leaders, and you mentioned this before, are we're often juggling multiple disjointed products or platforms and things that have been inherited, especially older companies and larger companies. And have what tips do you have to help product leaders evolve the platforms to ensure that customers and users are at the core and they're more centralised? Is there any kind of techniques that you learn along the way in terms of even merging the two platforms that you were dealing with? Yeah, so I, I think we approached it, again, by just focusing on the customer problem um, and understanding what are the common customer problems that we're trying to solve. And even though you might have multiple legacy systems that you're trying to uh, to, to pull together or to replatform, um, using the, the customer problem as a starting point and then working from the customer experience downwards, uh, as soon as you pick up you know, one piece of the puzzle, you realize it's connected to so many other parts, right? So, so you need to look at the structure of your teams to be able to support what are the, what are the key priorities and then how do you resolve all of the dependencies and all of the other pieces that come along with that as well if you want to solve that as a priority? You talked about um, culture with the two companies before and being quite different. What culture do you promote to keep the user and customer journey ever present in the team and across the rest of the organization? Right. So in terms of culture, I mean, if, if you want to keep the, the customer at the center of your strategy and at the center of the thinking, um, then you need to be uh, consistently reminding teams about why they're doing what they're doing and how it fits into the strategy and the overall picture of, of how you solve problems for customers. Uh, and having that strategic alignment from the, the top-level strategy down to the team level is super important. Uh, that comes, we try to do that through OKRs um, and to ensure that there was good alignment uh, between the OKRs and the strategy and how that affected customers. And tell me about a company, and you can't, so you can't use C, can't use Amazon, and can't use Apple, right, who have really nailed end-to-end um, product and, and customer experience. Who do you think are really doing this right currently? 
it's one of my favorite companies because I use them a lot as well. Um, but Airbnb is is I mean it's it's got to be one of the companies that I think does this you know, uh, you know in a really great way. Um, and um, I think about some of the product launches uh, that they've had in in the past. And some of the videos that you can find online about you know how they thought about that product and the customer-centric way that they thought about not only the functional needs but also the emotional needs of the customer, I think were really um, really instructive to me about how I could change the culture of of Seek Asia to take that in more into account as well. And I think their I, I think their approach is pretty aspirational for all product leaders. Isn't uh, it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like yeah. we want one of those. It's like. <laughs> Oh, at least you know the right direction you should be going. <laughs> and so you now, as we said, you've your ex seek CPO, um, and you're starting down a different path now. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Um, I'm intentionally doing nothing for now, um, taking a bit of a career break, just to think through what I want to do next. Uh, I do also have a startup idea that I want to try, uh, and I'll probably give that six months to see whether I fly. It flies. So this is interesting. As a product leader, you're now going to apply it to your own business. Yes, exactly. Um, you're going to eat your exciting. own dog food. I have to eat my own dog food. <laughs> I have to apply what I've learned uh, in my product management to career and actually do it for myself. Like as a founder, you've got you know skin in the game. Um, it's, it's ultimately your baby. And you have full autonomy and full control, which gives you a, a great sense of achievement when you can get things done. Um, but it's also a little bit scary. I, I think it sounds pretty exciting. And so we won't push you in terms of giving, revealing any secrets, but we'll look forward to seeing what that's all about. Now, what legacy do you hope to leave? Uh, you mean at Seek Asia? Seek Asia, and then, and then maybe what you want to do in terms of what you see, even with your startup, because we're kind of talking to product leaders about how they're helping to create a better future, right? So, so legacy at Seek would be interesting, and also what you think that you're going to be able to drive in the industry as well. There's probably a few things that come to mind. So for, for Seek Asia specifically, um, the, that, that large transformation I was very proud of. I worked with a lot of people at, at Seek Asia in order to make that happen. And I think we did a really good job of that initial merger of JobStreet and JobsDB product delivery teams. Um, and then the way that we you know, shifted the culture of the organization to be much more outcome focused and to be much more customer centric, I think was uh, the legacy that I left there. Uh, so we've got much better autonomous teams now and much higher performance teams that, than we ever had before. That's, I'm, I'm very proud of that. Um, I think in terms of the product management industry, uh, I've been involved in the community for a long time, right? So um, from London uh, and um, uh, I, you know, I was involved in you know, a number of conferences uh, and the community from an early stage in London and then also in Zurich with PMF. Uh, I was on the board in 2013 when it all first started. And then I happened to be in Asia when they were, decided to start in, in Asia as well in, with the uh, PMF in Singapore. Um, so, yeah, so I, I've, I felt that you know, I've given back to the community and I do a lot of coaching and mentoring of product managers in the industry as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like uh, leaving that legacy of helping develop the product management thinking 
and then developing the community has been, you know, really rewarding for me as well. Ken, thank you so much for your time today. It's been fascinating to hear your journey and some of your insights into where you want to drive as well next. I'm so looking forward to see what's next on your career journey. Yeah, it's it's really exciting and uh, I'm also looking forward to it. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I'm going to give it my best shot and see if we can make it work. Thanks very much.